Hollywood Romances. Steve McQueen and Dolly McGraw. Written and narrated by Brad Carty. He was the king of cool. She was the romantic ideal of millions of men and women after starring in one of the most successful films of the decade. Their relationship was torrid, tempestuous, and eventually abusive. But for a time it seemed that Steve McQueen and Ali McGraw had escaped the pitfalls of most Hollywood marriages. Ultimately, however, this proved to be wishful thinking on the part of McGraw and the couple's global fan base. Of all the male movie stars who played tough guys in their careers, none had more of the early real-life training in that persona than Terence Stephen McQueen. Born in 1930, he was the byproduct of a one-night stand between a stunt pilot in a flying circus and an alcoholic woman with a string of ex-boyfriends. Upon learning he was going to be a father, the senior McQueen married Steve's mother, but it only lasted six months before he abandoned them forever. Unable to care for her baby on her own, Julia, Steve's mother, left him in the care of her parents. When Steve's grandfather lost his business in the Great Depression, he and his grandparents moved to a farm in Missouri owned by his grandmother's brother, Claude. The farmer took a shine to his grandnephew and considered him the son he never had. He made young Steve do chores around the farm from dawn to dusk and meted out physical punishment when the boy was disobedient. But he also gave him gifts and money to go to the cinema every weekend. Steve loved movie westerns. His other favorite pastime was racing on his bicycle against other boys, which remained a lifelong passion that morphed into racing cars and motorcycles. When Steve was eight years old, his mother Julia returned to the farm to claim him. She had remarried and took her son to Indianapolis to live with her and her new husband. The husband, however, was not pleased with this new arrangement and beat his stepson for every real or imagined infraction. Things got so bad that Steve ran away from home after a year and was living on the streets at the age of nine. He got involved with local street gangs and engaged in a series of petty crimes until his mother decided to return him to Claude's farm. Three years later, Julia once again took custody of her son and moved him to Los Angeles, where his stepfather resumed beating him. Steve spent as little time as possible at home and resumed his life of juvenile delinquency with a local L.A. gang. Again, he was sent back to the farm in Missouri, but at the age of 14, he decided on a whim to join a traveling circus. He left without saying goodbye to his loving father figure, Claude, and when he tired of the circus life, he was too ashamed to return to the farm, so he rejoined his mother and abusive stepfather in the City of Angels. Back with his old gang, he was arrested for stealing car hubcaps. His stepfather threw him down a flight of stairs, then convinced Julia to have young Steve put into a juvenile penitentiary. He was just short of his 15th birthday. McQueen stayed in the reformatory for 16 months, eventually getting elected to the Council of Young Inmates who advised on rules and procedures for the institution. Upon his release, he headed for New York City, where his mother had moved after the death of her husband, Steve's hated enemy, 
Unfortunately for the 16-year-old, upon arriving in Manhattan, he discovered that his mother had taken up with yet another man, and he would have to share a tiny apartment with them in Greenwich Village. This unappealing prospect convinced him to join the Merchant Marine, which he achieved with fake documents that said he was of legal age. He shipped out, but immediately discovered that, as the most junior member of the crew, he would have to do all the hard, dirty chores. Always resentful of authority, Steve abandoned ship in the Dominican Republic. He spent the next two months working as a towel boy in a whorehouse before catching a ride to Texas. For the next year, he worked throughout the United States and Canada as an oil rigger, carnival barker, lumberjack, anything to survive. He later claimed that, at one point, he was arrested for vagrancy in the Deep South and was put to work on a prison chain gang. Just before his 18th birthday, McQueen joined the Marines. As usual, he chafed against rules and, as punishment, was given the worst task and duties, including spending a week removing asbestos from pipes. Steve went AWOL for two weeks to spend time with his girlfriend, which earned him 41 days in the brig upon his capture. Just as with the juvenile reformatory, Steve eventually changed into a model Marine, saving the lives of some of his comrades while stationed in the Arctic, and even serving on President Harry Truman's honor guard. After getting an honorary discharge, the 20-year-old McQueen returned to New York, only to discover that his mother had moved to California again. Steve decided to stay in the Big Apple, and again took a series of odd jobs, including some modeling and, when things were desperate, shoplifting. An actress he was dating suggested he try an acting class. He liked it, and used his GI Bill tuition to start classes with the legendary acting teacher Sanford Meisner. McQueen appeared in a series of summer stock jobs and a few roles on and off Broadway. He largely supported himself by racing motorcycles, nearly always winning the first place prize money. He also met a half-Filipina actress and dancer named Nila, whose career was taking off, thanks to ever-larger roles in several hit Broadway musicals. They married in 1956 and eventually had two children. The couple was often separated by work, either on the summer stock circuit or from Neela's studio assignments in Hollywood. By 1958, she was a much bigger star than her virtually unknown husband. She was earning $50,000 a year, Steve $3,000 a year. McQueen moved to Hollywood to seek work in movies and on television and began getting bit parts. He appeared in several TV westerns, which led to him being given the starring role in a new series called Wanted, Dead or Alive, in which he played a bounty hunter in the Old West. The series ran from 1958 to 1961 and made Steve McQueen a household name. Throughout the 16 years of their marriage, Steve had countless affairs with other actresses, groupies, etc., which he never tried to hide from Neela. On the contrary, he freely admitted to his infidelities when Neela confronted him. Was this his way of testing her? Did he want to see if his wife would abandon him like his mother did? It wasn't that the McQueens had an open marriage. When Neela had a one-off affair with another actor, 
rumored to be Maximilian Schell, Steve Beter. Yet he considered it his prerogative to sleep with as many women as he could, a pattern that would continue with his next and most notorious marriage. By 1972, Steve McQueen was one of the biggest movie stars in the world. He had a succession of hits, The Magnificent Seven, The Great Escape, The Sand Pebbles, Bullet, The Thomas Crown Affair, and more. When director Sam Peckinpah approached him about starring in The Getaway, based on a novel by pulp fiction author Jim Thompson, McQueen accepted. To play his wife, Paramount Studios, which was releasing the movie, pushed hard for Ali McGraw, fresh off her star-making role in Love Story, one of the most popular films of the 1960s. McGraw also happened to be married to the head of Paramount, Robert Evans, and it wasn't long before she was hired for the film and on the way to Texas for location shooting. It also wasn't long before she and Steve McQueen began an affair. The Getaway was one of the biggest hits of 1973, and by the end of the year, both McQueen and McGraw had divorced their spouses and moved in together with the children of their first marriages. Although Steve and Allie were two of the biggest stars in the world, McQueen had developed a strong aversion to fame and publicity. He also began to avoid making movies unless they offered an exceptionally large financial reward. Instead, he moved Allie and their children into a remote house far from Hollywood, where Steve watched soap operas and game shows all day while drinking beer and smoking pot. He also enjoyed cocaine and peyote. He continued to race motorcycles, but otherwise was a recluse who avoided socializing, traveling, or anything else that would take him out of his house. Allie accepted this for a while, but when Steve insisted that she give up her acting career to be a full-time girlfriend and mother, she realized that she had no assets or financial security of her own. She pushed Steve to marry her until he angrily agreed, although only after she had signed a prenuptial agreement that gave her nothing in the event of a divorce. Steve made two films during his six years married to Ali, Papillon and The Towering Inferno. He got substantial paychecks for both and negotiated some interesting terms for the latter film. The Towering Inferno was an all-star extravaganza in the trendy disaster film genre that also included Airport and The Poseidon Adventure. The actor who came closest to McQueen's star power in The Towering Inferno was Paul Newman, whom McQueen had always considered his personal and professional rival. Before Steve would agree to be in the film with Newman, he insisted that his name be featured first in the credits and in the promotional materials in half the world, with the order switched for the other half. He also demanded that he and Newman had exactly the same number of words of dialogue in the film and that McQueen be given the final line in the picture. Allie McGraw, in the meantime, continued to take care of Steve's home and children until she couldn't stand it anymore. In 
Allie had only starred in three films in her career, but all of them had been hits, and she was considered one of Hollywood's most successful leading ladies. Nonetheless, she was getting older, and her years away from the business while living with Steve were causing the public to forget her. She finally convinced him to allow her to make another film with director Sam Peckinpah called Convoy, based on a hit radio song. While she was filming in New Mexico, Steve began an affair with a model named Barbara Minty. As usual, he didn't hide this fact from his wife. In fact, on a visit to the set, McQueen accused Allie of flirting with someone else in the film crew. By this time, Allie had had enough and sued McQueen for divorce. She would never marry again. Steve McQueen took Barbara Minty as his third wife and soon afterwards was diagnosed with lung cancer. He'd been a two-pack-a-day smoker all his adult life. He made two final films in quick succession to earn as much money as possible to leave Barbara, traveled to Mexico for unlicensed treatment, but finally died on November 7, 1980. His first wife, Nila, had been awarded millions of dollars in their divorce settlement. His third wife, Barbara, inherited his estate. His second wife, Ali McGraw, got nothing. She returned to films and TV to make a living, but as a middle-aged woman, she couldn't command the parts and salaries she could when she was a young actress with a string of recent successes and an Oscar nomination for Love Story. Today, she lives in New Mexico, where she works to raise awareness of animal rights and the health benefits of yoga. The relationship between Steve McQueen and Ali McGraw captured the imagination of the world because they were so different in background, temperament, and style. What captivated their fans was the idea of two physically attractive people who became swept up in a powerful physical attraction. As writer Sheila Weller put it, quote, She was the biggest female star of the year. He was the biggest movie star in the world. She was a Wellesley-educated esthete who fantasized about living in Paris. He was a motorcycle-racing reform school kid who had worked as a towel boy in a brothel and had spent 41 days in the brig as a marine and generally had the kind of street cred Jack Kerouac would have killed for. Theirs was one of the great love affairs of the past century. End quote. Hollywood Romances Steve McQueen and Ali McGraw Written and narrated by Brad Carty.